Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch and joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening are Rikas Riedes from PSG Wealth Remsig and Jean-Pierre Verstaer from Protea Capital Management. Uh, to send those questions, uh, you can send them via SMS to 41392, email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, Jens. Uh, Rikas, I want to start with you. Uh, although we had seen losses over the past couple of weeks, you are seeing a rebound in the markets uh, of course we're about to wrap up the month of june the quarter and also the first half would you say that june was a very good month for stocks no <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the only thing that saved the day to day was the moves in the prices of nosmos and process otherwise it's been pretty dismal with uh both you know resource shares being under pressure for various reasons, including China growth, and SA being sold off, and even financials, although not as heavily sold off as the rest of the local market, also just basically moving sideways and giving up some of their gains over the past 28 days. But that's the thing then, uh, JP. Is there a divergence between the local market and the, its global peers? Uh, well, the S&P is slightly up as we speak. So, yes, there is a yeah. bit of a divergence. Um, to some extent, it is SA Inc. issues. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, uh, pressure in South Africa economically, which then translates into pressure on companies' profitability if those companies mostly operate in the local environment. Then we also have a lot of mining exposure on our local market to a lot much greater extent than most other markets. And uh, the mining industry in general has been under pressure. Some commodity markets in different commodities uh, coming down. Uh, that has put a pressure as, as well on some shares. So there are some dynamics in South Africa, which means that our market performance has been a bit different to most other major indices around the globe. Mm. Well, actually, I mean, there now seems to be uh, quite a lot of optimism coming through that China is going to make it after all this year, that we're going to have a uh, speeding up of momentum in the second half, um, and that growth target of 5% is uh, going to be fulfilled. Uh, just talking about the resources that have been under pressure, um, Rikas, would you say that... Uh, also, with the stimulus, more stimulus expected, or more meaningful stimulus expected to come through, uh, do you think that that is going to bode well for our resources? And maybe would this be a good time to go in? There might be a bit of a follow-through effect to resources, but I think the stimulus coming through in China is not directed towards sectors where um, you know there's going to be a lot of use for resources. What they are trying to do is basically save their property market. So that's, um, or at least that's the feeling. Mm. That's where China is going to direct the, the stimulus, if at all. Um, and unfortunately, um, the rest of the world is not really going to fill that gap should they not stimulate um, in sectors which will be beneficial to resources, because Europe is certainly slowing down if we t take a look at their uh, preliminary purchasing managers indices that were released last week. Um, we're sitting with a serious economic slowdown, so it's, and that means no building, if, mm. if you understand what I mean. So, and um, America possibly, but uh, again, um, that's more geared towards um, technology and that side of things rather than 
um, huge infrastructure spend, although there is some of that coming through as well, if you just take a look at their mm. um, construction numbers over the past year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, JP, uh, I mean, Ricker seems to be a little bit um, uh, not... Uh, bullish on, on the fact that the stimulus uh, will benefit resources. But talking about other sectors, other, the other Chinese uh, exposed stocks, do you think that this would be the time to go into them? I've actually been buying some non-resource Chinese stocks recently. Hmm. Uh, you know, the likes of the big uh, tech shares in China, like Tencent and Meituan, JD Group, Alibaba, uh, because they have been under pressure. And you might remember they were specifically that the pressure started when Xi Jinping started to clamp down on, um, on call it very visible excess and visible wealth and trying to address uh, the um, inequality in China and clamping down on the profitability and saying that there should be a, a, an aim of common prosperity in China and that tech shares should not put profits before common prosperity. Hmm. Now, at some point, I'm hopeful that, that that whole dynamic will will have played out, and I'm hopeful we could be near that point where uh, the politicians do feel that a strong tech sector in China is good for China, and a strong tech sector includes a very profitable tech sector. So that is why I have been buying some Chinese shares. Um, it hasn't done well over the last, say, year and a half, two years, but uh, in my mind, um, I do think that we could be near a point where the, the outlook is better for these non-resource Chinese companies. Yeah. Well, JP's been buying, but I know, Rikus, um, you have been uh, quite cautious or, or bearish on uh, the China regulation story. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bearish. <laughs> I'm just scared. Yeah. Um, and, and that's purely geopolitics. And... Um, for me, you know, it's a binary risk. I could be completely and utterly wrong. But while the government in China is structured as is, with Xi Jinping being, in fact, a, dict a dictator and totally, completely and utterly removed from what's going around him because he's surrounded by yes-men. I mean, just, just as an example, um, he didn't even know that there was a balloon going across America's spying. Um, at that specific day, the American Secretary of Commerce was supposed to visit China. It's it's ridiculous. Mm. While that kind of situation is in place, um, there's probably money to be made considering the valuations still, the market, you know, the, um, the, um, the uh, how huge the market in Japan or in, in China is. I am just extremely worried that you wake up one day and some of the um, idiotic legislation that Xi Jinping you know, Institute um, collapses yeah. all that value that you think you've had. Yeah. All right. Well, talking about China and Tencent, let's go into Nasperas and Process. They released results today. Um, of course, those numbers, as expected, um, revenue up 7%, but then you saw trading losses and also um, headline uh, loss. Um, and, yeah, JP, what did you make of those numbers? Was there anything that stood out for you there? Not from the numbers themselves. Yeah. It's good to see that the second half was a bit stronger than the first half. 
we obviously already knew what 10 cents results were, but it's the other bits yes. that are not listed, like the, the um, uh, um, what do you call it, e-commerce businesses, yes. that we could then see that at least the, the bleeding is slowly but surely stopping. They say by 2025, they might actually make some money from the rest of the portfolio. So we look forward to that day. Mm. But the big thing was not in the numbers, it was in the announcement of the cross-holding being unwound. And I do think that is very positive for NAS Fashion Process shareholders. You saw both shares rise on, I think, the back of that more than the back of the results. Um, it does then make the, the whole structure more simple, yeah, less complex. But it's not just a case of, you know, having added complexity a year ago and taking it back and being in the same place. We will be in a different place. We'll be, we'll, we'll, we will be in a place where the majority of the process shareholders will be foreigners. They will be 57% owned by foreigners, 43% by Nasfash. And even though Nasfash still has that, that golden share, so they have a 72% shielding and therefore that process is a foreign controlled company from tax and foreign exchange restriction purposes, it is positive. So I do think that that is the big news of the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, was there anything to note on the uh, the share price movements? Because uh, NASPERS actually did go up uh, more than uh, process. Uh, Rikus, um, is there anything to note there or it was just, it is what it is? Yeah. 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 JP is a more fundamental guy, but NASPERS' discount was bigger than processes discount to okay. to the operating company. So it's it, I think it was just that catch-up, basically. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, uh, uh, JP, I'm just wondering because also um, there's always just been criticism around NASPERS and process, even the fact that um, why did we have this cr cross-holding structure in the first place when uh, investors were bemoaning it? Uh, and then some even questioning that, you know, why do it now uh, when the share price is at these levels? Um, so I'm just wondering, I mean, how much, um, what's the magnitude of value is this going to bring? And how satisfactory is it to investors? So the dismantling of the cross-holding, I don't think in itself is something you can quantify to say it's going to add a certain percentage. Yeah. What it does do, it it also means that the share buyback can continue. And at the current rate, that adds roughly 6% to the net asset value per share of NASPASH. So the fact that they can continue is a good thing. Um, if it was not for the dismantling of the cross-holding, uh, there might have been other ways, but this is one of the reasons they did. Hmm. They would not be able to continue with the repurchase because uh, the Nasbash treasury shares would have reached the 10% limit according to the Companies Act. So uh, the fact that it'll continue, you can put a number to that and therefore say that the dismantling of the cross-holding will lead to a continuation of the share buyback and that will add roughly 6% to the NAV per share per annum as they continue with the share buyback. Yeah. And uh, Rikus, do you think that that share buyback has done what it was supposed to do so far? Well, it's kept the price up mm. um, because it, because, as JP said, it's increased the net asset value. <clears throat> but um, has it? You know, but if one goes a little bit further, what about the operations of Process Straight now, Spanish themselves? Um, yeah, I know they, they're looking to make a profit in 2025, which is great for them. But if you take a look at the, at the various parts, you know, whether it be e-commerce or education or food delivery or what have you, um, there's some of them that are 
that I think that are excellent businesses. The Indian fintech is is interesting. I think education is great. But then you get food delivery, which which I which I don't like, and I'm always wondering if you want to be mm. in in what you like, and I suppose why buy us? Why not just go and buy other rival companies in those sectors that they are um, in that that NASPERS and process are involved with? Yeah. And just before we go to a quick break, um, this uh, removal of the cross-holding structure, JP, is it not too little too late? No, like I say, it, it clarifies where the economic free float majority lies, which is offshore. It decreases complexity. It allows for a continuation of the share buyback. So um, I do see it as a positive move, and it's not very costly because the, the big move was putting it in in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then. So the good news is it doesn't take that much in fees to remove it. We have one question, gentlemen. Uh, that's why we've been waffling on about NASPERS and process for the first half of the show. Um, but actually quite an interesting question. Um, with a USA hawkish uh, on interest, uh, SA Inc. not certain on direction, RAND or government, can we still assume good value on SA Inc., e.g. banks and retail? Is it worth the risk? Rikas. It probably is. Um, by default, um, I have to be positive because that's the business I, I am in. I, yeah. I think that, that um, we invest in companies that create value and, and by default uh, create returns to, to, to investors either in the form of prices going up or an increase in dividend. So I'm probably biased in that respect. But what you said there, or what the um, questioner said is, is it worth the risk? Um, the market doesn't think so, which is why prices are going down. It's it's still disc discounting um, perceived risk. Whether that's um, overdone or not, well, one can go and take a look at historic valuations and say, yeah, it's probably overdone. It's not stopping um, things from being marked down. So... Um, what I'm waiting for, or what I'm doing, is letting the market lead me. Um, markets either discount too far, both on the up and the downside. It's probably doing it to the downside, but I can see no use um, just because I think it's overdone to the downside at the moment. Um, trying to be correct, though, I'd rather have the market tell me, and that one can see when... Um, the sell-off that we've been seeing relentlessly over the past few months stops and and um, those SA Inc. companies that are at obvious historic valuations start trending sideways as far as price is concerned. There will be enough time to get in. Yeah, and actually the specific ones that the viewer actually mentioned are banks and retail. Um, uh, JP, would you have a preference there? Uh, until recently, my preference was banks, but now I would say my preference are retailers. Uh, for me, there's been a bit of a shift in the relative valuation. And I do think that um, if you look at the most recent results from the retailers, um, some were disappointing, but there were a few that were also okay. You know, the people thought they might have been worse, like Mr. Price, for instance. You know, the results weren't great, but the share price went up because yeah. people thought the results would have been even worse. So, um, 
I do think that the retailers, not all of them, some of them have got issues. Uh, uh, pick and pay and spa would not be top of my list. But some of the other retailers, I think I would prefer to other retailers and even to the banks. Yeah. Um, uh, Rickus, on your side, do you have uh, a preference, as JP said, that his has shifted recently? Um, yeah, I completely agree with um, Jean-Pierre. There's certainly some of the retailers that's been marked down excessively, as I've, as I've mentioned, in, in line with the rest of the SA Inc. Um, universe. Again, um, the only reason why I'm not um, contemplating investing in those is because it's still trending down. I'm <laughs> unashamedly um, bound to price momentum as as a strategy, whereas I think with um, financials, I've come back a little bit and it's still attractive and at least we're not sitting with that um, persistent downtrend, although we have seen a little bit of a recovery in the share prices of some of those retailers, they're still very much trending down and financials are sideways, so I'm just a little bit um, easier with with, uh. with, with financials still. And actually, the second part of that um, is the prices for retail SA Inc. Uh, is, uh, looks so attractive. Is it a false view? Of course, uh, JP, you've said that they're quite cheap. Uh, you mentioned that you wouldn't go for pick and pay and spa. Are you worried about a value trap there? Yeah, I would say the debt levels are a bit uncomfortable for me at those two retailers, especially um, you know, a retailer, especially a food retailer. The, 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 the cash cycle is very cyclical. And you see that sometimes, especially with spa, you know, they can, they can run like a two billion rand overdraft over a month. Then. <laughs> so that's quite scary if you have um, peak debt that can be so high. So I prefer the retailers with preferably no debt um, or um, in a better financial situation. Those two because of the debt are mm. last on my list. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, uh, we do have a question on uh, PGMs. Uh, when will the PGM stock pain stop? What's causing these low prices for PGMs, and uh, what should we do if we own if we own them? Hold, buy, or sell, Rickers. Gosh, um, taking a look at the PGM basket, I mean specifically things like um, rhodium and palladium. There seems to be no bottom to these things as they as they go down. I'm not sure why it's, well, I can speculate as to why they're being sold out. Firstly, um, the um, manu car manufacturing worldwide is recovering somewhat from what was supply chain issues. Um, so I think there's been a lot of stocking of these metals, which is now being destocked, and that's and that's still pushing on prices um, going down further. And then obviously there's also the um, global worry about um, economic growth going forward. And we spoke a little bit, about, a little bit about that earlier as far as the China growth prospects are concerned, Europe, and maybe even um, the US, where there seems to be a bit of a push-pull whether they're going to go into recession or not. So I think that's also putting a dampener on um, specifically on the core sales part of things and then and by default how much platinum or palladium or whatever you're going to use in those catalysts. Mm. Um, JP, uh, I know you are not a commodities bull. 
<laughs> so hold by yourself. <laughs> it seems like my reputation precedes me. Um, <laughs> yes, look, uh, we held a little bit of uh, Royal Bafu King Platinum, but that was because of the deal, and we've sold them recently, those shares. But, I mean, if you think about the last year to 18 months, especially with the Russian situation and the sanctions, the big two producers of PJ metals are South Africa and Zimbabwe and Russia. And if the these prices, the PGM prices, did not do well over the last 18 months, when your biggest other source of these metals is under severe sanctions, it's difficult to see under which scenario they would do well. I mean, people have been talking about the, the hydrogen economy and you use a lot of PGMs when it comes to hydrogen fuel cells, but that, that hasn't really taken off. Uh, if you, I was overseas recently, and there's a lot of EV cars around, electric vehicles, especially in the US, but they're all driven with lithium batteries, not hydrogen cells. So I think the, the hydrogen economy is maybe still far off, if it will come one day, mm -hmm. and that'll be great for PGMs. But as long as we're on this trail for lithium-based power, uh, um, I'm wondering what the future of PGMs looks like, especially in a world of less internal combustion engines where platinum palladium are used for uh, catalytic converters. So I'm cautious about the platinum space. Ah, all right. Well, let's go into uh, helium and LNG. Uh, should the debt accumulation of Renogen be a concern? Rickus. Well, they needed it. So now um, the proof will be in the pudding. In other words, whether they can use that debt um, I won't say wisely, but, but effectively to get their plant up and running. Um, the guys that invested in it obviously think so, otherwise they wouldn't have invested. So it's still a meme stock. It's still, um, in the olden days, one would say it's a gold exploration company. They are still um, in the process of of getting their product to market, which means still a lot of construction and so forth to be had. If that can be done effectively, in other words, that they don't run into a problem as a result of a huge debt and no cash flow because something goes wrong, then you've got a problem. But um, if all goes well, there's certainly no doubt in my mind that in the end, both you know, specifically helium, which is the exciting part, and methane, um, there's not going to be less demand for that hmm. five or ten years from now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Rika says they needed it. Um, I mean, there has been some uh, commercialization that um, has started to come through from uh, the end of last year. JP, do you have any concerns on Renogen? A lot of people do. It's such a polarizing company. There yeah. are some people who really think, oh, it can't be, the share price is ridiculous, they're not making any money. And there are some people who think, I mean, this helium find is the best find in the whole world. This is going to be the best company in South Africa over the next five years. Yeah. And it's really difficult to know in advance which one of these two scenarios, completely different scenarios, yeah. is going to be the correct one. What I would say is there's a lot of concern about the company right now and their financial situation now. But you need to look forward. And they've got a very tenacious management team um, who, who don't accept failure. They just don't accept it. They yeah. will look for funding and they will look to develop this asset. So don't write them off. Mm. Um, I'm staying on the sidelines, <laughs> but I can tell you we could be sitting five years from now and either Renogen 
has gone bust or Renegen is the best performing share in the country over five years. Uh, it will probably be one of those two, nothing in the middle. Yeah, as Rika said, the proof is in the pudding or in the eating. Uh, <laughs> let's go to your stock picks. Uh, Rika, what will it be today? Well, in line with um, our previous discussion on um, retailers and financials, uh, I really was at a loss to get something. So I'm playing it very safe and I'm just going for um, first round because, again, historically not expensive and if i'm wrong you probably won't lose a lot of money mm, all right uh on your side uh jp i'm going for an offshore share as i regularly do a healthcare management company uh, managed healthcare company listed in the u.s called centene it's one of the six big managed healthcare companies in the u.s it's sort of like what we would call a a, a health insurance business um, the difference is in the U.S., you can actually make profit from health insurance. In South Africa, they make the profit from the administration of the health insurance, not the health insurance itself. And there's been pressure in the U.S. because you get Medicaid and Medicare. Medicare is for old people, 65 plus. Medicaid is for younger people. And um, there's been a shrinkage in some of the uh, uh, annual uh, um, repeats of people needing to subscribe, especially for Medicaid. And that has put pressure on the share prices of these managed healthcare companies. I think that to a large extent is overdone. Mm. Some of these companies, I think, will gain more members because of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare as it's called. So uh, at evaluation, which is much more attractive than a year ago, but still a very solid business, uh, profitable, good, strong margins, strong revenue growth. I like all six, but for tonight, I'm choosing Centene as my stock pick. Ah, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your analysis today, gents. Appreciate it. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, Rikas Rieders from PSG Walter Reimsig and Jean-Pierre Frestar from Protea Capital Management. <laughs>